Hello everyone, this is Jadi, and this is the Cafecito Time con Jadi podcast show. Before I go into details on my next episode, if you have listened to this podcast, I would love it if you leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I would love it if you guys subscribe to this. This podcast drops a new episode every Tuesday at 8 a.m. And now, let's get into our next episode. Today's episode, I had the chance to interview Mercer Deli Graciano, also known as Mercy G. She is a mental health counselor, a self-published author who traveled the world of entertainment through a former career as a dancer, choreographer, actress, model, and TV production assistant. She has been writing poetry since the age of 12. After transitioning through a career via the education sector and seeing the need for emotional intelligence in kids, she decided to give back to the world by starting the self-specialist. In an effort to help people become the best version of themselves, her main drive is self-love with an understanding of self-awareness, self-care, and self-control. In her own words, it all starts from within. If we are able to look at ourselves and notice the markings we leave imprinted through our past, we will be more conscious of how we act and interact. Being self-centered and selfish is actually not a bad thing if done in a healthy way. To be self-centered is to be grounded, to be selfish is to be established boundaries. I have known um, Mercedes for 20 years, a little bit over 20 years. Um, we used to go to um, IS218 and we were together in the same dance company. I was in sixth grade and she was in eighth grade. So we part of like that, ese corito ahí. Um, so I met her about 20 years ago and then, you know, um, we, in this episode, we talk about her upbringing, what, um, what led her to the, to the place that she is right now. Um, love, we discussed a lot about love, a lot about, um, self-awareness and all that. We had a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation. So here's my interview with Mercedes Graciano. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Uh, as we were talking about, like, before we started recording that, I'm glad that you say yes to this. Because so everybody that I've asked has said yes. I have not received not one no, which is surprising. Because I hear, like, other people that have podcasts, like, a lot of people have said no to them. I don't know. I'm just, like, intentional who I ask. Mm-hmm. And I ask people that that I know that's from the community. And people that I feel that I have something to say and other people won't give them a platform. Absolutely. That's how I feel is going in that direction. Kudos but, to you. Well, thank you for coming. And if you if you want to introduce yourself to everybody, who are you and what do you do? Well, <laughs> I'll say my part and then you say whatever you want to say about me. I, I, I think that's fun. Um, my name is Mercedeli Graciano or Mercedes Graciano, also known as Mercy G. Um, I am a mental health counselor and a self-published artist, sorry, um, writer, really and truly. I say artist because I danced for 20 plus years and that's how I identified for a really long time. That's probably how you remember me. Um, but in, in recent years, I've definitely taken another venture. I've always wanted to work for a community in need. So through the sector of education, as a um, parent coordinator for the Department of uh, Education, I was able to see the need for emotional intelligence within our community. And so I went over 
and I started my master's in mental health counseling, which I got um, last year. And yeah, I, I like to say that I'm a self-love activist. I like to empower people to, and you see it in my post, you know, love yourselves, do not minimize your growth. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's where I'll end it in short, because I could go on forever. <laughs> Yeah, I actually have been knowing you since then, since the ice to 18 days. Yeah. Like, don't you sometimes think about everybody, like, even, like, our, like, dance instructor, like, where are they? I mean, I, no, I think we know who, where some of them are, like, yeah. like, our students, but, like, the instructors. Sometimes I think about where are they? Miss Green yeah. is actually, I am, um, I am in contact with her. Okay. And yeah, I actually put together a dinner sometime with last year. No, it was prior to COVID. So it was the summer before 2019. Um, I put together a dinner with some of the alumni from 218 and we went to sit down with her. She was so, she was so, I wouldn't say emotional is the word, but she was excited to see us because she went on to get her doctorate. In education as well, I believe. And she said that she was ready to quit teaching, but due to the impact she had on us, yeah, she stayed and she she went on this venture and she's actually graduating this summer. And her husband reached out to one of the alumni, Maxiel Wilmore. I don't know if you remember her. So she reached out to me and I reached out to a couple of people. So now that we're on the subject, you're coming with me. I'm picking you up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was like that period was so dope. Even like our community. I mean, yeah, our even our community during that time. Because I feel Back like then, it, was, yeah. it was like real. It was like authentic. Even though it was like the late 90s, early 2000s, and we were just coming out of like that crazy 90s war. Yeah. It felt yeah. like it was still a good time. It, it was like, yo puedo, like I could walk down 181st and like, I don't have to like look like over Sin my problem. Yeah, you know, so I felt like that time was a, was a good time for like all of us. And I, I really love my childhood. It was like, I love that time because it was like no social media. Sometimes mm -hmm. I feel sorry for these kids because it's like, oh my God, you know what life, you know, life was like before like a phones? It was so dope. Mm -hmm. But now we're consumed with our phones. But every so switch is on. Mm -hmm. So you're from uptown, and Dykeman girl. <laughs> we're Dykeman girls, and we're from. You're from uptown. Um, are you still very much connected to the community? No. 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 Um, I won't say no with like a definite no. So I'll tell you my story briefly, and then and mm -hmm. then you'll see what I mean. So. Uh, in 2001, at 15, I graduated, uh, that summer I graduated high school and I decided that I, I needed a change. And at 15, I definitely knew who I was and I knew that Dykeman was not where I wanted to be or needed to be because that's when I started cutting class or I had a boyfriend and I just didn't like the way things looked. So I decided, you know what, I want to move to Florida. I have an aunt, aunt, aunt out there, an aunt out there, sorry. And my family's super close. So living with my aunt wouldn't be like living with a stranger, right? So I begged my mom. She's like, no, tú eres mi única hembra. Yo te tengo que cuidar. Tú no puedes ir. 
And I called my aunt and said, listen, can you please convince her? She had two little kids at the time, so I would be perfect. A teenage girl who could babysit and help her clean, why not? <laughs> so, and I summered in Florida and in her when she used to live in North Carolina and so in North Carolina as well as a kid. So again, my family's very close. That dynamic was already there. So long story short, I moved to Florida at 15. I finished high school out there. So by the time I came back 18 for college, because I decided if I want to dance, New York is where I need to be, although Florida was a good experience. Um, I never moved back uptown. I lived in 172nd very shortly with my grandma um, until I we found a place. My brother and I found a place and we moved to the Bronx. So I lived in the Bronx for about seven years and now I've been in Westchester for another seven years. So that's to say that I would go to uptown when I miss home. Mm, when I need Kindebuja. Yeah cuando yo necesito un teteo, you know, that's yeah. when I go uptown. But other than that, I'm, I'm, that disconnection is definitely there. It actually makes me a little anxious to go uptown, uh, whether it's the parking, whether it's the traffic. I have to mentally prepare myself for it. Okay, mucha bulla aquí. And then last summer was like, I mean, last summer was like with the fireworks. It was like, it was a lot. It was a lot, but I mean, yeah, I'm trying to understand that maybe that's how they handle it, the whole pandemic with the whole mm -hmm. fireworks. So I'm like, it's like I'm trying to remove myself from judgment mode. Like, okay, maybe it's just the way that y'all handle me. Yeah, so, yeah. But this summer cannot happen. Like, No, right, but it's rude because you can't do that and you can't do it maybe 9, 10 o'clock. But when you're doing it at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, then it presents a different situation. I understand that you can't go to a club and get lit, right? Yeah. But you're not popping fireworks in a club either so i i never understood why i get yeah. it Kick, get get your fix but yeah no i think it was very disrespectful whether it was yeah. or the fireworks i think it was very disrespectful yeah yeah i agree but you just gotta go like with the flow but it's like yeah i hear you yeah um so you have a book out called The Awakening of My Senses. I actually bought it when it first came out. Oh, you I, I remember you had tops. Yeah, I actually bought two. I bought one for me and then I bought another one, but that one I donated it to like a um a thank wellness you. center in the Bronx. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Because they had like a like a library. And um I liked I liked it. Like I remember I used to, I mean, I have it again because I picked it up because now I have both copies again. Um, and I will go back and I will like relate so much to the, to like the poems. I'm like, were you, do you always knew you was a writer? Were you always a writer? Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, speaking of my aunt in Florida, I remember vividly when I used to summer in North Carolina, when she was, uh, when her husband was stationed there. Um, I remember singing to my brother Harlow, a song about a boyfriend and I'm talking, I must've been like nine right? I never wrote it down because I didn't understand the value of penmanship. I didn't understand the value of having to write something down. So it wasn't until 12 that I wrote my first poem and I never stopped since. I used to, um, I used to write in my diary prior to that, um, but a poem, I was 12 and it was, I would say, 
two or three years ago that my mother told me my father was a writer as well. He used to write poems to her and part of his writings he gave to a singer of the times of the 80s in DR and then he lost touch with him. So I don't even know where my father's writings are. My father passed when I was four. So to know that I have that in connection to him made the world like it, it, it made the world spin in the most beautiful way. Like, you know how Cinderella spins and she turns into a gown? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's how I felt. I felt like yeah. so magical um, because, you know, I was so young, but to find that connection with him and to know that something so powerful in me comes from him because my dancing comes from my mom. My mom was a professional dancer as well. Um, but to know that the writing came from him, that's great. She also told me that he used to sign MG because his name was Manuel Graciano, Manuel Antonio Graciano. But so to know that too, I'm like, she, and she told me this a couple months ago. So I'm like, wait, I write like him and I sign like him and you just tell me this? I was, cool. I, was I was a little upset at her, but yes. Yeah, so. That was, that's dope. You have right? that spiritual connection with him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Are you like, what, like, what is your writing process? <sighs> to be honest, and I mentioned this last week during a writing workshop I held with some friends. I don't believe in writer's block. And I'm saying this because it'll lead to my process. L words literally just start happening. And I just have to write them down. Uh, and the times that I'm like, oh, I remember. I never remember. Mm -hmm. um, so I either, I used to write uh, by hand. And I have all my notebooks. It's it's beautiful to see my writing process, my penmanship process. Um, but I started a Google Drive, I would say 2015. So I'm able to archive everything. That's why it was so easy for me to edit my book. Because mm. being self-published is difficult as it is. But the fact that I already had all my writings, and it was very few that I probably had to type out. But uh yeah, so to, to answer your question fully, my writing process is, is a thing that comes from feelings. So I literally feel it and the words come up and I have to write it, literally. So you, so you don't have like a consistent writing practice. Like you don't te despierta a las cinco de la mañana y comienza a escribir or nothing like that. I think that the minute you assign routine to passion, it takes away from the beauty of it. And I know that definitively because of dancing, the minute that dancing became a job to me, it was no longer exciting. I now had to be up at five in the morning at a shoot for my makeup to be done and my hair to be done. And while everybody thinks that that's so glamorous, it's not, <laughs> it's tiring because now I'm in a shoot from 5 a.m. to probably 12 a.m. I'm probably famished because you can't eat and you can't drink anything because you'll get bloated. And, you know, the minute that became, it, it's different. Now, when I dance out of fun, when I danced as a kid, uh, it wasn't my job. I was competing or I had shows and it was great, but it wasn't my job. So with my writing, I never want to make it my job. And I commend those who make it their job. I go through spurs where I'm literally writing every single day, maybe 20 pieces, maybe. And then I go right now, I haven't written something 
well, it's different because now I'm writing for the self-specialist, but they're not poems. Um, now I'm writing maybe once a week, maybe once a month. I think that, like I said, the minute you assign routine to writing, it's it's tedious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I never thought about it like that. Because people usually, um, like, como dan recomendaciones, like, oh, you know, like, write for 20 minutes a day, like, set up that routine. But then it's like some people can't do it. Last year I did that. Like I would wake up five in the morning just after like during quarantine because there was nothing else to do. Yeah. And my writing has not been consistent. I thought I've been writing since like from June to now, probably written like four times. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just like journaling. I just do right. it. So right. I, I get it. I get it. Like some people can't. Yeah, I just... I find that when when I do it off a of feeling, which is like I said, the how I write um, or my process, it just flows. It's yeah. so effortless. I don't have to sit there and think of a rhyme, and I don't have to sit there and think of uh, what to make it work with. It, it it literally when I tell you words happen, literally words happen, and they come together, and and then a book happens. But yeah. Yeah, that's my process. And and no, I don't wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's brutal. You know, it's hard. You know, I think at the beginning of quarantine, a lot of people did that just because they have they needed something to do. But after a while, people were like, nah, like, I'm tired. I want to rest. So that's how I felt personally. But yeah. what inspires you? What inspires me? It depends. Um, I would say that a lot of my writing is definitely based on love, whether falling in, out, or finding myself, which is a process of my book, as you saw. Um, but my, I can't even, I like to let people know they're not alone. Yeah. You know, I like to allow my emotions to inspire me because then that way it's more passionate. You know, if I look for the passion and I'm not feeling it, passion is not something you can make up. You know, people have to go to counseling when their passion ends in a marriage. <laughs> to handle it. Uh, so my inspiration stems usually from love. Uh, every now and then I'll write about something else but seldom is it something social or political or religious unless I'm just feeling that way but yeah it's usually about love love makes the world go round what is love to you now at your age because love like changes at your age wow so what was love to you 20 years ago um I'll go from the emotional to the physicality because yeah. it's crazy. I was actually, look at the universe. I was actually yeah. thinking about this today. So um, Young Mercy, diving head first. I, I exuded this, this girlfriend syndrome, my brother used to call it. Um, so Younger Me was always in a relationship I, as, as early as I could remember. Um, I had a boyfriend from 12 to about 14 and then from 15 to about 18. And then I got married at 20 and mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, I was definitely always that person and I would dive in at first and it was so magical. Um, 
love puts me in such a glow girl I lose weight my mm-hmm. face shines it's just it's different yeah um and I would definitely never take it slow and I I was always the six to and above not because that's that's just what I'm attracted to and I like to people when people tell me oh my god but think about it this way men like a big butt or a big chest why can I like something that's tall what's the problem with that yeah that's you know what I mean um so then you know me at 35 now I've been single I divorced my son's father 10 years ago almost 11 years ago and I've dated since Mm -hmm. um I actually fell in love with someone right after him that ended it just wasn't the time and then I went through a really bad experience dating someone and that was probably 2015 and since then like I'll date people but my my red flag siren is definitely on auto because the minute somebody does something now I fall back a little bit and I start studying them for real uh, I've I've learned that when people tell you who they are, believe them. Like the great Maya Angelou says, yes, yes. <laughs> when people tell you who they are the first time, believe them. Uh, explain what that is. Like, so uh, glad to because so, ooh, that is my mantra. Yeah, I'm the I'm the embodiment of it. So before, um, I would see things and I would say, you know what, it's okay. Things will change um love will change and we're gonna be fine we'll we'll outgrow this we'll fall back in love things oh no he's just saying that because and I'm talking about things like why you smile so much why are you always happy like people would literally tell me this you're too much woman for me I can't handle you (sighs) things like that um and I would kind of say hmm I don't feel good about this. I know that that's not okay, but I would excuse their behavior with, oh, but you know, now we're, we're good again. We're going to be fine. And now I know how that works. Situations change. People don't the core of who you are will solely stay within you. Even as you evolve, and you transition through your different lives because we all live different lives in this lifetime. Um, The core of who you are will always remain. So I was always very assertive. I was always into self-love and to the point that I was rude at some point. And now I'm more, I don't excuse myself, right? Oh, I don't apologize for who I am, but I definitely take it in, listen, this is how I am. And if I'm rude, I'm apologizing in advance. But when I need my space, I need my space. Because before I was just, déjame tranquila, tú sí habla. Yeah. And that was me setting my boundaries, but that was rude. Yeah. Now it's like, listen, I need a little bit of my own space, you know. So that's to say that since I'm more aware of who I am now, I'm more aware, I'm awakened to what I like, what I don't like, my boundaries, my my deal breakers, um, my hard no's. The minute someone tells me something like, the world doesn't revolve around you, it's done. I don't want to talk about it. There's no discussion. I'm going to tell you straight up, listen, this is not going to work. And I actually did that like three weeks ago. I went on probably two days with this person and I didn't see it 
I didn't feel it. And he would say things like, Ay, ya, yo veo que tú me gusta mami que yo a ti. And I'm like, oh my God, like you're letting your insecurity shine through, you know, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? I don't think I'm really feeling it. I think I'm good, you know? Um, I wish you the best. You're a great guy, but just, I, I don't feel it. Girl, he called me and he verbatim said, I'm calling to see if I could change your mind. I said, well, you know, I'm not feeling it. Well, it's not about you. Excuse me? <laughs> I, I thought it required two people to be in a relationship. Mm. So that was it for me. I gave him one week because the thing is, as a Scorpio, I'm very, I'm very perceptive. Yeah. I could see right through people. And what's happened is that through time, I've become very aware of how I do that. So I'm able to see things. And I already knew within a week, like, I don't want to waste my time or yours. I'm still trying to have some babies. I need to clear space for the next man who's coming. So, you know, that's, that's what I say. When people tell you who they are the first time, believe them. I believe them. I believed him. I said, goodbye, honey. He wasn't trying to hear it. <laughs> I, first, I first heard that mantra, that mantra, like, oh, actually 10 years ago. And one of, one of my coworkers, at, at one of my, at the job, at job I had 10 years ago, I was like complaining about something that he came at. And then he, and he told me then, like, well, when someone shows you who you are, who they are, believe them. And I'm like, what? It was like, yeah. He show you who you who he is. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you believe him? Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, I was confused. I didn't know what he meant. So he had to break it down for me. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Since then, I go by that. I mean, I, I had like I had a full flat on my face throughout the years, but now at 34, I totally I understand it. Now. I'm like, Experience is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Never a loss. Always a lesson. And if you take things that happen to you as a lesson, you will learn so much because you can either soak in what happened or you can revive yourself from what happened. Yeah. And it's okay to mourn it and it's okay to cry about it, but you can't spend your entire lifetime victimizing yourself about what happened. Yeah. It happened. It happened to you. And I get that. Feel it. Marinate with it. And then let it go. Do you think love, like as an overall in society, has changed with um, social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the whole Quavo and Swati thing. Yes. You know, the way we're sitting here, not only normalizing either behavior because yeah. people have things to say about both, it was toxic and that was it, you know? we weren't in the depth of what it was. We saw maybe a 15 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe one minute video. Um, but what we know from that video is that that was toxic and that that wasn't normal. So to see some videos of mainly New Yorkers saying, that's a regular relationship in New York scares me because then what's the future for my 14 year old son? Yeah who's never seen things like that. My ex-husband and I never yelled. My ex-husband and I never raised a hand at each other. It was just not the dynamic. It is not the dynamic I hold myself with, you know? Yeah. And to see that we've normalized toxicity. Um, 
to see that we've normalized smiling in a picture, but really being depressed and then coming on to say it, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know where society as a whole, not only with love, but with emotions is going to end up. And love being so, so such a pure thing, people have forgotten how to do it. My mom used to tell me, lo tiempo no han cambiado, no? When I used to tell her, you know, times have changed, leave me alone. And mm -hmm. I would like to think that they haven't, but in essence, they have. Um, yeah, yeah. before a man needed to marry a woman before he slept with her now we've made things so accessible including our bodies we've made side chicks side dudes normalized yeah we've normalized everything that was once wrong in society we've normalized it because we feel that everything is okay and no everything is not okay some things are not okay no yeah, so, I've been looking at like half these. I've been looking at like half these things that men and women put up with. I'm just like, yo, yeah, really put up with that? Yeah. You know, I'm just like, wow. And I told an old friend of mine, um, she's much older than me, but I like to associate myself with older people. I told her once because she's been through stuff. And I said, I don't know how you stay. I, I wish, I wish I could learn how to stay. But the minute somebody does something to me, I can't, I can't stay. And when I say something, I don't mean cheating. I don't mean hitting. I mean, like, maybe yell and disrespect me to that level because I wasn't raised like that. Yeah. Or say things to me like the aforementioned. Um, so she said to me, no, you don't need to learn how to stay. Unfortunately, that's what I was taught. And I know it's wrong. But to me, this is my normal. I was like... Wow. Mm. So she said, no, girl, you don't need to learn how to stay for what? Put up with, nah, you don't need to put up with anything. I was like, heard you, heard you, sis. What? And there's a lot of people that think that, that have like that mindset and that experience. And it's that. Yeah. So oh, the awakening of my senses has to do with so the awakening of my senses has to do with falling in love, falling apart, and ultimately remembering that you got you and that self-love is the key. So it goes through that transition of how magical the beginning of a new relationship is and then how the downfall comes in when consistency or abuse sets in. And then I, I ended with a lot of pros on self-love, self-care, self-awareness, uh, self-control. Don't send that text message. You know, that's not something I say, but things like that. Um, if you want to stay in bed and just rest, that's okay. You don't need to be on go all the time. So little things like that. A lot of time we involve ourselves in a lot of things so that we don't deal, so that we don't remember. And that's not okay. The minute you sit down and you rest and you let every single emotion just go through your body, it leaves you. Yeah. But the more you compress it, the more you become emotionally constipated about it, mm -hmm. it won't leave you. It's in your body. It's toxic. Yeah. Um, I like the way your book is set. Like it's como que like it's like like it's like it's like a timeline. Thank you. And it like on a high note. 
was that intentional or is that just the way that it, it happened it wasn't intentional in the sense of this is how i'm gonna do the book um this wasn't even supposed to be what the book was i went i've had tight because i was supposed to publish at 18 then at 21 then at 25 and life just kept happening so there was actually another title for the book for a book and when I started editing this one between editing and publishing it was a year for this book um and the title came up and then the the how can I put it the the way the book plays out came up because I can't say the sequence because it's not in sequence right it's in sequence because of the emotional patterns but that's my sequence I don't know what someone else's sequence is so you know the way it happened it was just so organic yeah. and that's how you know what's meant to be that's how you know the time was right because not only are you waking up to something yeah. and you're going through all your senses but the way I did it was the way I do it. I fall in love and things fall apart. And then I remind myself, girl, you've been through worse. Have you seen yourself? Girl, you've loved harder. Girl, you're going to be all right. And I wake myself back up and right away I'm back at being Mercy G. So while it is my process, it's not everybody's process, but I, I thank God and I, I am happy to hear that you like the sequence. I did. Is this book, who, who is this book about? Like, who are, like, who is this book? Like, who are you writing this book to? Is what I'm trying to ask. I'm writing this book to the world, but I'm definitely basing it on my life. Like, oh. every single poem in there, I went through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. What would you say to a young girl... 25 that's going through some hardships and then she picks up your book what do you want her what's the message you want her to go through like if she's going through a big heartbreak and you know i i want her to understand that love is a beautiful thing but sometimes it doesn't work out take the lesson it is not a loss yeah and always remember that you have more heart to give and that you need to keep giving it. And not just to a man that comes by or a woman that comes by, whatever she's into, right? But you can either concentrate on loving yourself and exerting and exuding your passions, yeah. or you can concentrate on becoming the best version of yourself so that when you go into the next relationship, you're not stuck with the baggage of what the last one gave you. You should allow those red flags to stay there right and say you know what these things became my deal breakers my hard no's my boundaries so now I know from what I went through with this dude or this girl that I don't like that and that's not for me so when someone does it next time I'll have a conversation with them and if they don't change I have to go not change if they don't modify I have to go yeah so that's what that's what I would want her to take from it I don't I don't like to say, um, give up. Well, I, there's a lot of people that give up. One, one small thing or one big thing happens to them and they give up and you shouldn't. There's more love to give. There's more heart to beat. You know, you should go with that. I didn't mean to rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in one soulmate? More than one soulmate? No. Um, 
I've lived so many different lives, Yadi. Yeah. And to know that I am where I am right now, I've had, I've fallen in love too hard, like for real, two times in my life. Those men that I've fallen in love with no longer fit into who I am right now. But they were so perfect for that time. Oh my God, they were so perfect for that time. And yeah. And I thank them for loving me so hard. And I thank them for allowing me to be me. And I thank them for being alive. Yeah. Right. Um, but who I am right now can no longer be with who we were then. Yeah. So my third love, which I talk about here, is going to come in slow and I'm not even going to feel it. And it's going to be peaceful because that's where I am right now. Not that I wasn't peaceful then, but I was definitely diving head first where boyfriend and girlfriend within two weeks. Now it's like, nah, mm -mm, we're going to date. Dating is very important. When yeah. you get to know with someone, the dating process, and I don't mean dating multiple people, the dating process, when you begin to, to be courted as a woman uh, by a man, you need yes. to take that slow, learn him. Don't move in within two days. Yes, learn him. Don't so picture him. him. Don't let him learn you. Yeah. yeah. Let him. And I had to learn that the hard way, right? So um, if you allow all of that to happen, then you get to know the person. So that's where I'm at now. I'm at now where I want things to go slower. I want things to be peaceful. I'm not trying to rush into anything. Um, but I've done it and it was, it was magical the way it happened back then. It was magical, but I no longer have the stamina to do that because I know too much now. Yeah. I know how things happen now. I know that things change with time, meaning the situation, yeah. the, situa the situation changes. So I've built a, a thicker core so that I'm able to handle and, and not combat, but um, deal with whatever comes within the relationship. Things that I wasn't equipped with back then. So I, I don't think that there's just one person. And the people that stay with one person for their entire life, they're blessed. And that's great. That's beautiful for them. That was their life story. It is in mine. Um, how important is, especially today, and I'm asking this question because people are promoting the self-love a lot. Yeah. Um, but I see a lot of people that are promoting it, but they don't live it. Mm. So how important like authentic self-love is? Mm. <laughs> if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And mm. what happens is that in that process, if you don't stand for yourself, if you don't teach people how to love you, and I don't mean teach spoon feed, right? Yeah. I mean, communicate. Oh, no, no me gusta esto. Oh my God, thank you so much. Porque así como tú tienes que decir lo malo, tienes que decir lo bueno. So you yeah. have to, you have to express the good and the bad by all means. So, oh my God, I love that. Thank you so much. I think that's so important. As important as the, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that. Like that made me feel a little funny. I don't you know yeah um so that's self-love and self-care in itself so the way you teach people how to love you is how you treat yourself if you're constantly teaching someone that you're willing to do for them and you don't care whether they do for you or not you're teaching them that they come first yeah and 
and on the plane, don't they tell you, put your mask on first before you take care of anyone else? If yeah. I'm drowning, how am I going to save you? How? Yeah. So yeah. that's where the importance comes. And um, my brother told me this the other day. He said, you know, for years, I labeled you as a bitch. And I was so mad at you for just standing your ground the way you did. Because, you know, I told you I did it in a rude way. But through time, I've just learned that you're just assertive and you've always been because we raised you that way we raised you to have boundaries we raised you to love yourself we raised you to say no when you don't want to do something so i was mad at you for the monster i for the monster i created but now i've grown to learn that you're just so full of self-love that you don't mind saying no yeah so that to me was big because it's true for you. You're, like, you're such a bitch. Oh my God. Like those were our biggest fights. And uh, it was a lot due to my passive aggressiveness. We would argue. And at the end I would say, are you done? Do you feel better? <laughs> no, sorry. Just like, okay, I, can I go now? Great. <laughs> now, you know, I'm definitely more communicative. I, I communicate. We sit down, we hash it out. Um, so yeah, self-love, if, if you don't, like I said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So you have to know who you are in an effort to, to give people you, because if not, then what are you really giving them? You're giving them stuff from a empty vessel, vessel. So that's not fair to them either. Yes. But I think that social media and I'm and I'm speak, and I'm saying social media because I oh my god the shit that I see I'm just like I just mio señor oh my god like maybe because I'm still I have like I'm still kind of old school like yeah I'm, me too call me don't text me I want to yes yeah don't Facetime me don't ask me don't text me what you're doing no I like that like call me up my phone pero como que pero like I see um I see I see that a lot of people base love on like what's going on on social media yeah sure. like and I feel that some people just if, if you're not like if you don't have cloud or um and all that like como que do not pop in and como que, and many things is like is normalized like people promote self-love but it's like well do you really know what that is mm -hmm. like do you really and then when we trying to tell them like the process of like self-love like you got to go through the hard work to get yeah. there. You know? oh, yeah. And some people, and I just feel like there's just, I mean, some people get it, but other people just don't get it. Um, and as of Dominican women, mm -hmm. setting boundaries, have you ever, like, and when, when, when you say, when you hold your ground, like, has any member of your family just be looked at you like, okay, like, what? <laughs> um. So I'll say this, I, I, I was raised within an entire family unit, meaning immediate and then the extended, uh, where I was always praised for being me. And whether they would say things like, que perra esa niña, or not, I was respected. Respected in the sense of like, mercy's not gonna like that. So nobody, no one would ever cross me, right? Um, my main issue was always with my mother. Mm. Because I can't say that my mother doesn't have self-love, but she she comes from a different era. So whether it was that my stepdad would show up drunk at three, four o'clock in the morning and she would get up and make him soup. Mm -hmm. um, 
or whether it was the back and forth with him. Um, that's something I've never done. Yeah. And I've never understood her for that, but I could also never judge her for it. Yeah. So what I'm saying with that is that at that point, my mother, despite the disrespect, right? Mm-hmm. She chose him. Despite it's so late at night, let me just stay in bed and rest because I've worked a 12 hour shift wiping somebody else's ass. Um, and I have to get up and cook for my kids to make sure that they have food in the morning. She chose to get up and take care of him. Mm. So not only was this man out there doing God knows what, and this is not to put my mom's business out there. This is to explain my levels and how my family and I relate. Right. So my mom and I bumped heads a lot because I've always been not only assertive, but very full of myself, not in a, not in a toxic way, not in a disrespectful way, but I know what I got. So there's just things I wouldn't put up with. So she would say things like, no te la crea que tu eres la última Coca-Cola del desierto. Like you're not hot shit. And I would tell her like, why would you tell me that? I'm your daughter, your only daughter. I'm beautiful. And you can't even sit here and tell me I'm beautiful. Your fight to me is don't think I'm hot shit. So I'm teaching my mom that I'm hot shit. You know what I mean? So those were our fights. So my mom would probably be the only person I bumped heads with a lot. But the rest of my family has always understood me. Always, always, always. Mm. And, you know, I mean, my paternal side, because I grew up closer to them always I I don't think I've ever had an issue my aunt that I lived with in Florida I was I was something as a teenager because how is a 15 year old standing up to you and telling you no I'm not doing that excuse me (laughs) you know so that was me practicing self-care and self-love I knew that whatever she was telling me to do didn't suit me and would not benefit me in any type of way at 15 so no I'm not gonna do it Mm. but she never came at me in uh no she would just let it be Mm. and we would discuss it later listen I think that was a little disrespectful and I would tell her well listen I don't think that that was suitable so Mm. what are we gonna do we'll take it from there but if I had anyone that would um come between me and myself it would it was my mom do you look back now at your, beha- at your behavior back then? You'd be like, wait a minute, was I really like, was I wrong for that? Or was like, I was just standing my ground? I was wrong for being disrespectful. I think that, and now I've learned, there's different ways to stand my grounds. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't have to come out my face. I didn't have to be disrespectful, but we've all been teenage girls, right? Yeah. The attitude is up the wazoo. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, you know, never cursing, never yelling. It was just my attitude was what they would call nasty because I was very passive aggressive. So the same way I would tell my brother, are you done? Do you feel better? And walk away. I would tell my mom, we're not living in your times. I'm 15 and I have this body now. I don't know if I'm going to have it at 18. So I am going to get my belly pierced. Are we clear? Mm. Girl. Thank God my mom was not abusive because, girl, 
Listen, the only time she ever slapped me was because she found me walking with my boyfriend at the time. Um, I was actually walking on Sherman and I usually walked on Nagel coming from Elwood. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So she, I told her I was at my friend's house and I passed my curfew. I was notorious for that. So I'm walking and she ended up walking the other way, kind of like, I guess, that motherly instinct. Yeah. She saw me walking. Him and I were like, oh, shit. She literally rolled up to me, slapped me, and he just very respectfully just walked the other way. And, you know, we spoke later, but she was just so, so nervous. Like you passed your curfew and now I'm coming up the block the other way and you're walking with a boy. What were you doing? It was like 7 p.m. And I should have been home by like 536. Wow. Yeah. So I think you and I have had this conversation. Um, so you're, you're a strong woman, you know who you are, you know your boundaries, you, and you set them right away. I'm, I'm also the same way. Have you ever gotten the whole thing like you're too much or like men intimidated by you? Girl, I've had men say, you emasculate me. Why would you talk to me like that? I'm a man, repeta me. Excuse me? As far as I'm concerned, my father died when I was born. He's been six feet under since. So you're not gonna come to me and talk to me like you're my daddy calm down mm. um but of course I, I don't talk like that when I'm arguing I'm like okay mm. great um so the fact of the matter is that you're not my father so what? if you want me to respect you you need to respect me as well but you know they find my tone emasculating because are you lecturing me I'm not lecturing you I just speak in a very monotone tone and I'm not causing a scene. Are you not used to that? Would you like me to yell? Because I could do that. So that is, that's the tone I'm talking about. They don't like it because they're like, are you scolding me? Um, I've had that said, I've had, and I'm talking top realtors, well, top realtor that I was uh, dating at the time. You're too much woman for me. Yo no sé qué hacer contigo. Like, where do I even start? And this was probably like two months into us dating um I've also had you demand too much attention I'm not your family or you don't need me to clap for you after a show you got enough fans and this is after me saying oh my god when you came to see my show did you like it he literally said that you don't you don't need my notes you don't need me to sit here and clap for you you got enough fans for that so that just shows different levels of insecurity um to me um and that's why I'm able to pick things out the way I am now because yeah. I've had all these things said to me. Um, and I don't think I'm, I'm disrespectful. I'm just not going to let you disrespect me. Yeah. And the beauty of it is that I'm not even coming at you disrespectful. The fact is that whatever I'm doing is foreign to you. So you find it to be disrespectful. Mm. Or what was the last one? You think you're God? because he was late for probably the third time and that was the end of the relationship what and I'm talking we dated probably like two three months and he was late and I'm talking he's on time for things that have to do with him but whatever has to do with anyone else meaning me at the time it just didn't matter and I'm not talking five minutes late I'm talking like an hour or two 
no salga, no salga. I'll, I'll let you know when to leave. The first time I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm getting to know him, right? Dating process is important. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to let it rock. Second time, I'm kind of like, mm, okay, I'm still home waiting. And it's been like an hour. And I was supposed to leave because the thing is, I'm time to leave my house. I live in Northern Westchester. So I'm like 45 minutes away from the city. So I have to be in certain areas at certain time in order to find parking. Yeah. Um, and I know that. Um, so the third time it was for my birthday and the individual said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be there at eight in the morning. Cause I want to spend the whole day with you and girl, six 30 came, seven came, eight came, nine came, 12 came. I think I got a text message at like two in the afternoon. Mm. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I just woke up. I'm going to head there now. I'm like, you're playing, right? I'm not playing. And that was the end of it. That was the last time. That was the last time. Wow. I mean, that is, that, that is disrespectful. But they don't so, so when I had, I'm sorry to interrupt you. When I had the conversation, it was kind of like, listen, I don't, you're selfish and you're disrespectful. And I'm not here for it. You went from being super consistent to being inconsistent. And these are things that I do not tolerate. These are my deal breakers, along with smoking and all that. Please don't smoke weed or cigarettes or anything around me. And his reply was, how is that disrespectful? I'm just being me. That's, that's me. What do you want me to do? I don't know what you've been through in the past, but that has nothing. In the past? What, what does my past have to do with time? <laughs> isn't, isn't it social norm to yeah. be on time? Or do we need to also normalize that people are late? You lose your job that way, right? Yep. You fail school that way, right? Yeah. But I need to put up with it because so the end of that whole situation was me saying something very smart that rubbed him the wrong way. And his reply was, oh, so now you're God? Hmm. And that was the last time we had a conversation. I didn't even reply to that. That was the end of that. That's a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lot of energy. When you got to do like, when you got to put extra effort, but the other person is like. Clearly, you've shown me who you are. Yeah. You've shown me that you don't care what other people have to say. And you've shown me that manners and morals are out the window. So I'm not here to teach you. I was here to love you. And hopefully love was going to take you in the right direction. But you won't even let me love you because now I think I'm God. Oh, so because I'm setting boundaries, I think I'm God. So these are some, so this is essentially, I hate the, the and I'm so glad you, you, you haven't asked me, why are you single? I hate that because oh, then hate that. let's start asking people, why are you married? Oh, I how hate many that. people are married or not have, are not happy. Oh so, my God. I hate that. Well, why are you, oh, you're so pretty. Why are you single? Oh, there's something, oh, there's like something's wrong. wrong. That, that, that there's something wrong with you. I had I had I actually had a family member tell me that. Like, why are you single? I believe there's something wrong with you, or you're gay. <laughs> I remember that, and I was and I was like, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with me, and no, I'm not gay. A person can just not be single, you know. So that, and I mean, not, nothing against like the gay community. Nothing. No, 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 no. And I don't think that was what you intended. You like men, and that's what it is. Um. But, yeah, I don't. <sighs> So that's what it is. I, I don't, don't ask me why I'm, first of all, I've been married twice and I have a child. So it's not like I've been out here single my entire life. Right. And no, no, 
not to knock anybody that has, but everybody's process is different. Yep. Perhaps you've been learning for 20 years and you had to learn whatever you needed to learn for the person that's coming your way. Because that person is going to require all of you. And all of you required 20 years of a fucking lesson. Yeah. So, yeah. I so, mean, yeah, I've had that. I mean, that is a disrespectful question. That's a, that's a none of your business question. Like, now you're getting into my business question, you know? Um, but they, they, that's, I always get that. Why are you single? Like, I'm just like, I'm gonna have kids when, when, when it's time. That's it. So I think everybody understands, everybody around me now understands it, gets it. So they don't ask me that question, but you always get those right outside of it. You know, that I just like, you know, I'll, I'll just like respectfully tell them with like a little slick comment, but I have to go it's like yo mind your business like so and not for nothing but like I went through my own experience but I also enjoy myself I actually like myself yeah. I actually like my own company and that's so so fine too I feel like a lot of people are pressured so that you have to be in a relationship at this time no you don't no you don't do it cuando haga tiempo when it's time yeah um have you first of all like one thing that is like very popular now and I'm only and I'm and I'm talking about all of this because it's gonna lead to my our next topic. Yeah. But like um something that's very popular, it's very disrespectful, it is very um trendy, and it's like a norm is ghosting. Mm. Have you ever been ghosted? And what do you think about it? Um, I have been ghosted. Um how do I feel about it? That's why I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. At the time when it happened, because it's probably only happened once. Um, no, it's happened twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking like maybe five years apart each. Um, at the time I was devastated because I don't think I had enough understanding of the phenomenon yeah, I had never, I had never, uh, this was the first time it happened was my first time doing the whole dating and just getting to know someone, yeah. but I came with a lot of dive in head first tendencies. And since that's what I was used to, that's just how I did it. I knew that it wasn't anything serious yet, but in my head, it was leading to it. Yeah. And I don't think the other person felt that way. However, they didn't communicate that. So two days passed and I just didn't get a call. I didn't get a text. I didn't get a show. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So I was very confused and I was very devastated because I had spent probably, we had spent probably four months of nonstop communication and just, you know, um and then that was it wow and I was like what the fuck but then I learned that the person came with their own mental health issues and that they just didn't know how to communicate I like you but I don't know if you're going to be able to take all of this you know 
And then the other person was just an asshole. The other person, um, <laughs> hilarious. We dated, he was going in ham. And I, I was already, it was years later, like the two things. So I was already like, espérate, con calma. Yeah. Um, oh, but let's, let's get our kids to play. And oh, not everybody meets my child. Yeah. <laughs> I've been divorced for years and my son has probably met two people. And I'm talking, I was with these, I was with these people, like holidays spent together and everything. Um, so everything was great. And then one day um, he said, oh, let's chill. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you the whole story because it's hilarious. Oh, let's chill. Um, but I'm gonna get there first with my boys, right? And you get with your girls later. You get there with your girls later. Yeah, just stand by the bar. And I'm going to go get you at the bar and then bring you to the table. Huh? Espérate. Espérate. You want me to pretend that I just came to the club with my girls. You happen to see me at the bar and now you're going to bring me to the table. And now you got me looking like I'm chasing a bottle? First of all, I could shut the club down. Let's start with that. Secondly, we're dating. Our kids have already met because at that point it was already like probably three months in or something. Um, and the, the consistency was okay. And I was like, okay. And I mean, phone calls in the morning, lunch, dinner, when are we going to chill? Chilling every weekend, maybe during the week, right? So you're building to something. That's what that's showing you. Yeah. So I literally said, no. I had spent, I actually spent the day before with them at the beach and with you know their family or whatever that's how deep it was right not mine their family <laughs> um and I I was like all right I'm gonna stay the night over in the city so that the next day I'm ready to meet up with you so I don't have to go home do all of that and then come back and he was like all right but so when he told me all of that I said you know what I'm going home do what you gotta do was his reply so I did what I had to do. So then I got a text message that night. Wow, you really didn't show up. You made me look stupid in front of my friends. Mm. And a friend of mine just so happened to go that night. It was at La Marina yeah. uh, way back when, right? And uh, she's like, girl, every time I moved, he would look my way. I guess he thought you were really coming. No, you're trying to make me look like something I'm not. I'm not chasing a bottle and you didn't just grab me from the bar. Mm -hmm. I'm someone that you are building something with, or at least I thought, and clearly we're not there, but I didn't give them that conversation and that explanation. Yeah. I told you I'm not coming. I didn't go. And that was it. So I left some shoes that I loved in his house and I needed them because I had an event in like two days and that outfit went with those shoes. Yeah. I called him, no answer. Call them again, no answer, text them, nothing. And I only do three. Um, and no reply. Yeah. And that was it. So wow. then he calls me probably a month later, like four o'clock in the morning. My phone is on do not disturb, but he kept calling consistently and back to back consecutively. I'm sorry. So my phone ended up ringing and I got so scared because it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, hello, are you okay? I'm so sorry, we need to talk. Can I come over tomorrow? I'm like, no, I have plans. What time you got plans? Excuse me? Mm -hmm. I could come earlier. I'm like, yeah, um, 
I have things to do at this time. If you just so happen to show up before, we'll see. He never showed up. Wow. But I wasn't waiting. Yeah. So that was just done before. That was done. So that's that. Those have been my two long-winded experiences. But I felt the details were needed. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say to somebody that is listening right now and does ghost people like religiously, and they admitted they ghost people? I think that they need to deal with their emotional baggage because the emotional consequence that comes from that is either ending up alone. And if that's what you want to do, listen, that's cool. But I don't think it's fair to leave people with the unknown because both the individuals I described came back in later time. um, And that one said that, right? Um, And then the other one actually came back to me and admitted like, listen, I was, I was really going through something. And I had to, I had to understand that. And I had forgiven him way before that, not for him, for me, um, because I needed to move on. Right. Um, it, it, it hurt someone to invest not only the time and the emotional, um, strain that a relationship takes and puts on you. Um, but it takes a lot out of someone when after they've invested so much of who they are into what this could potentially be with you to, for you to just up and leave. It's unfair. And it is disrespectful. If you no longer wish to take part in whatever it is that is going on with this particular person, you need to let them know whether it is, listen, I'm dating other people and maybe this is not really working. I like somebody else better, right? That could be bold, but it's the truth. Or you could straight up say, listen, I'm just, I'm not really feeling this right now. I think that, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Because I, I, I think I've ghosted maybe one person in my whole entire life, but it wasn't completely ghosting, right? I sent the message. I said, listen, this is not working for me anymore, blah, 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 blah. And then I blocked them. <gasps> okay. So I let you get the message. I let you know I don't want this, but I don't want to hear what you got to say. And that was maybe cowardly of me, right? But I knew that the conversation after that with this particular individual wasn't going to be the greatest. Yeah. It was either going to be a manipulation tactic from him. Yeah. Or it was going to be a matter of back and forth. And again, my energy. I know. Mm-mm. Mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're now in the mental health space yes one so i i give it up to um anyone that goes into that space because carrying other people's stuff is a heavy work what made you go into that space the lack of emotional intelligence within our community we're taught to do so much but we're not taught how to regulate we have and we it's been done to us i'm sure it's been done to you because it's been done to me um tu quieres llorar con gusto hacerte llorar deja de llorar so mm-hmm. you hurt me 
with something you said as a kid and I'm crying, but the fact that I'm crying over the hurt of what you said is not enough. So you're willing to hit me in order to hurt me physically so that I can really cry because I wasn't really crying earlier because whatever I'm going through emotionally is not valid enough for you, for me to be crying. So now you're telling me that you're willing to inflict pain on my body so that I can really cry. Yeah. So it's just, Ooh, I have to get the breath after that. So it's just the mechanism that goes into that. But guess what? They were taught the same thing. Yeah. So that's where we need to learn how to forgive our mothers and fathers. They're coming from spaces that are either insecure or traumatic. You know, my mom was raised with seven other girls. She's one of nine, one boy, eight girls. So God knows the kind of things and the kind of comparisons. And, you know, just the other day, she admitted to me, she's like, yeah, I grew up very insecure because they used to say that the ugliest one in the house were me and so-and-so. And my mom was a professional dancer and they used to call him the porcelain doll because my mom, beautiful. Oh my God. Not because she's my mom, beautiful. Yeah. So the fact that she grew up not understanding how beautiful she was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the karma that's here to pay for that. Meaning- I told, and I told her, I understand now what I am so assertive because it was definitely not something I learned from you. It's something I just am. Yeah. And my, my family embraced it. So I was able to be right. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> mental health. So I went into, into the mental health sector because of that, you know, um, I had to understand my mom better. So in order to heal my own mother wound, I had to do that. Um, I had to learn how the emotional and the brain operate together. I also needed to be a better mom for my son. I needed to be a better daughter. I needed to be a better sister, a better friend, a better granddaughter, a better human being. Yeah. Because I understood that although the self-love and self-care has always been in me, I wasn't doing it the right way. Yeah. So I needed to regulate my own emotions. There's other ways to communicate. There's other ways to get your, your thought out without hurting people um so you know I just I wanted to give back to to the world by teaching whoever comes my way that the best version of you starts with self-love yeah and the best version of you continues with how your kids approach the world and other human beings so that's the long answer <laughs> it's the perfect answer <laughs> but you said something that we must forgive our parents um yeah that's heavy work that's a lot of work girl I'm still working on it so yeah I yeah I, I, you could say I just think yeah I'm kind of still working on it a parent um yeah. but what if some people they just can't find in their heart to forgive Everybody goes through different experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm simply forgiving my mom for not being strong enough. I'm not forgiving her for anything she did to me, I would say. She was, my mom is a great mom. Yeah. I'm just getting over COVID, by the way. Mm. And my mom found a way to transport chicken soup to me and everything she could find to get COVID out of me. Yeah. She found a way. 
you know, and I live 45 minutes away. She called me every single day. And that's just the little things. My mom still calls me. I, I saw a dress. It's this color. Is this size? Do you think you like it? Let me send you a picture. She'll call me. I'm at the pharmacy. You need pads. You need tampons. You need this. And it's not about always giving me, always giving me. I'm not just spoiled because people are always giving me, right? It's that my mom's love language is acts of kindness. Mm. My mom's love language is communication. I grew up always communicating. Whether I'm, I'm, I'm telling her I'm going to get a piercing or not, we're communicating. It wasn't, I'm a sneak off. Well, I did sneak off and got it because my boyfriend paid for it at the time. And I just showed up with it. But, you know, we had a conversation about it. Or me going to Florida. That was a conversation. Who lets your 15-year-old daughter leave? But I felt that if we sat down, we had a conversation, she would understand where I was coming from and that I had a purpose for this particular trip. I didn't just want to leave to help. I wanted to leave because I didn't want to help. Yeah. So, um, everybody's process is different. And, and, and I think that it all comes with what did your parent do to you? Because if you can't overcome, there's parents that are just abusive and I'm talking hurt you physically, hurt you emotionally, hurt you verbally, hurt you mentally. Mm -hmm. If that's where you're coming from, then you need to understand that it doesn't have to do with you, although they're paying with you. Yeah. And that's where counseling comes in. That's where, you know, you come in to understand them in order to forgive them. Yeah. Forgive them because it you don't know what they went through as parents. You don't know what they were taught yeah. as kids. I mean from their parents, you know. It's it everything is a process and we're all different kinds of people and in turn we're different kinds of parents. So if you need to alienate yourself from them because they're still very much hurtful, that's okay. But in order for you to be a better human being to other people and not repeat the cycle, you need to know where their issues stem from so that you don't become that same thing. That is on point. It took me 30 years to um, understand my mom to where she comes from. My dad, um, I'm starting to understand where he's come from because that man is just filled with just a lot of trauma just by his behavior. So just understanding, I've forgiven my dad but um, I grew up with daddy issues, but I'm a grown woman now, so I have father issues now. Mm-hmm. So those father issues have really um, hurt my relationship now with myself, with men, and um, how I communicate because I have the horrible communication skills. Yeah. Now they're a little yeah. better. Un poquito, un poquito mejor. Um, but during this time, COVID, this pandemic, really damaged at least mentally a lot of people in our community mm-hmm. yeah how how have how has this time been for you as far as your mental health um it's been tough yeah I've done my grittiest my hardest my most invested work during this time meaning I would wake up at 8 a.m. to be ready for 9 a.m. patients and I wouldn't be done with inputting notes or sessions until 11 p.m. Mm. and I'm talking dead smack COVID like 
March to August, I was working seven days a week, maybe 12 hours a day. Ooh. So self-care and self-love. Yeah. Got to the point where I told myself, I'm done. I'm done. And I've actually, I've been meant from the mental health, because I'm also a social worker. Go figure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from mental health, I've been off since September 1st. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it was heavy. It was heavy. And clearly, I can't speak of, you know, whatever was was going on. But people were coming to me with a lot of relationship issues or depression, suicidal uh, ideations and thoughts and things like that. Um, Children with not knowing how to cope. So they would act out by using mom's credit card. And I'm talking very young children. So it's, how do you tell a kid don't spend that money when you don't know why they're spending the money, right? So this is a conversation with the parent. What conversation are you having with your kid? Yeah. You know, they see me, I'm so young. Why? You don't even, listen, I have a whole, at the time he was 13, I have a whole 13 year old I'm dealing with myself. (laughs) So things became very important to me. I was five minutes late, late with you because not only did I have to cook dinner, I had to sit down and have dinner with him. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, how are you feeling? There's a lot of, did you do your homework? Are you logged into class? There's this constant little, right? So COVID was very hard for me on, on a professional sense to the point that in order to take care of my whole self, I had to put it to stop. So right now I'm not practicing mental health. I am, however, consulting because I also believe you need to shop around for the right therapist. So I go through steps with people in order to do that. And that's part of my self-specialist services. Yeah. Um, Because it's also a lot of everything I've ever done in my life, not a lot of what I do, everything I've ever done in my life has been a passion. Even working for a community in need and and starting that process through through the department of education, right? to the point where I'm at now as a social worker. As a social worker, I don't give therapy, right? But I am doing some mental health services to an extent. It's just that I'm not sitting with someone unloading on me for an hour and then having to go and, and you know, find ways to get them to deal and meeting with the next person five minutes later or 15 minutes later. Gets to the point where there's no balance. Yeah. So I didn't have that. When I tell you seven days a week, 12 hour days, March, April, May, June, July, for six months, girl, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. To the point that I I have this high, um, uh, uh, chair, armchair, and I bought a massager. And after every session, even if it was two minutes, I would sit on it just so that I could massage me and de-stress me so that I could come in and do this with the next person. Cause again, everything was through zoom also. Yeah. Oh my God. So I wasn't sitting on a couch and they were sitting on a couch and we're just shooting the breeze. No, it was screen time for 12 hours. That's hard. Girl. <laughs> I don't like, like I work, I work uh, for a school now and like, I just be sitting through zoom. I'm just like, yo, this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is not as easy as people think it's very hard and it's very emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my kids are going to summer school. Unfortunately, a lot of oh, and the fact that they're making them do that is it's sad 
Yeah. You're dealing in very unprecedented, unpredictable, and unbalanced times. So for my son, I actually got a form the other day. I could have opted out from the state exams. Um, but I'm going to let him take it. If he doesn't do so well, that's not his fault. That's not my fault. That's not the school's fault. Yeah. We're living in a in a in an unrealistic timeline. Unrealistic for what we know. This is not our reality. But I'm going to let him take it because guess what? He's going to high school next year. And this won't be the rest of his life. So I need to continue this process of, you know, things are getting back to normal. And you taking these tests is part of you getting back to normal. Yeah. Do you you want it to get back to normal? Whatever normal that was before? Like, what is... It won't be that. I'll tell you that. Um, With the way things are going, I'm... I'm a little concerned because I can't say that we had a great before. Um, I don't know that this new normal that will be coming our way will be great because again, a lot of things are being normalized that are not what we would call good or right. Yeah. So in an effort to respect people, we need to make these disrespectful ways our new normal, whether it is a toxic relationship and normalizing that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's not normal. That's normal for some people. The issue is that within those normalities, these people know that they need to change and that that's not okay. So why would we normalize it? Instead, we should tell them, what we should normalize is the empathy. Listen, I understand what you're going through. But I also understand that you understand that that's not cool. So let me help you get better. Yeah. Instead of glorifying and now everybody's in a toxic relationship. I wish, I wish somebody would throw me into an elevator. Yeah. Oh. And I wish to see myself swinging on somebody. What? No. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things, a lot of toxic behaviors normalized and it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like sometimes mm. it's like, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, you guys actually go through this? Mm-hmm. I just knew. But like a lot of things from this pandemic, a lot of PTSD is going to come out of this pandemic. Yes, absolutely. Mira, tanta cosa ha pasado que sometimes I, when I walk down the street, because I still live in Uptown, not for too long. I'm, I'm in the process of leaving. Thank God. Um, but sometimes when I walk, I gotta be like, look to my right, left, my front, and my back. I because you never know. Like there's so many things going on. Like someone could really like come at you. Just in just like like the last few weeks, just in uptown, a girl, a guy walked into a store and uh, and sliced a girl in the face. Yeah. And yeah. then around the corner, around that same area, a 17-year-old got murdered. And they found, uh, my friend told me that they found a body on the highway too. Oh, oh my God, this is crazy. It's crazy what's going on. Oh, like just like a few months ago, there was a guy killing people via the A train. And it's like, oh my God, this, and it's like, and it's like, wow, like the PTSD is high. Like it's a, it's a lot, lot, it's a lot going on right now that sometimes it scares me. And I, and I really don't go out like that no more because there's so much going on yeah um so I just find my own way to like what's fun for me as as you should absolutely because you know as much as like we want to have fun I also want to be safe 
Mm-hmm. Right now, demasiada, demasiada cosa está pasando. Mm-hmm. But like also, but like our community has been re- highly affected by this. Absolutely. Um, what, in what way are you looking to help your community as you enter this, as you in this space? Yeah, mental um, health is heavy. is is heavy work. Like I'm <laughs> playing, I'm looking into grad school, and that was like one of my, like one of my options. But then I really thought about it. I was just like, mm. well, if you do, let me know. My school was a has a great program, so let me know, and I could shoot you that way. Um, and why way am I looking to help my community? Um, coping mechanisms, um, and emotional regulation because not only do we need to learn how to cope with what's going on right now yeah and what you said was great what's fun for you yeah right so you're also not going out as much anymore because it is unsafe also you're a little older so maybe you're no longer in that space didn't mean to rhyme um so uh all that to say that we need to learn coping mechanisms so for me i'm not a big tv person but during this whole time, I've been watching more TV. But I watch comfort television. So I, I watch old shows like Moesha or Sister Sister or Blossom or Boy Meets World or The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I'm coping in that way. Um, I started my own business. I use this time to grow for me, right? Um, but for other people, it's different. For you, it was going through different things. So waking up at five in the morning and writing, but that no longer felt good or suited you. So you moved on to a different thing. Um, so coping mechanisms is very important in an effort for you to not um, drive yourself crazy and in order for you to not drive others around you crazy. Um, and then uh, emotional regulation comes and stems right from coping because as you cope, you're learning how to regulate your emotions. You're learning that I'm anxious or I'm depressed, but in an effort to get better, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lay in bed all day today, but tomorrow I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna clean my house because I know that I need to get over this. However, I'm gonna allow myself to feel this for a little bit yeah, because I need to know where it's coming from. Um, I can't have a pet. Let me buy some plants so that I could take care of something. So regulating your emotions in a way that it's safe for you and safe for others. Um, I, I can't say that my phone, sorry. I can't say that drinking um, is a good way to cope uh, because these things have addictive relationships. So you should stay away from that. But you could have a glass of wine. So you could work hard all, sa- all Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? And if you're off on Monday, and I'm saying it like this because not everybody has the same schedule. If you're off on Monday, you wake up on Monday and you, and you do what you got to do. And at the end of the night, you have a glass of wine and that yeah. felt good. So coping and regulating your emotions in that way. Do things that are fun for you. Do things that um, feel good to you. And you should do all of it in an effort to not hurt yourself and not hurt others. Yeah. So healthy coping. Healthy coping. Absolutely. Healthy. Yes. And we need that right now. So this talk to me a little bit more about the self-specialist. So (laughs) the self-specialist is my baby. Um, I am 
someone that has lived many lives. I'm not someone that has been doing this my entire life. So some people may remember me as a dancer. Some people may remember me as a parent coordinator. Some people may remember me as the girl who came out in such and such commercial, right? Um, so I needed to embody all of that in order to become the self-specialist. And what I'm saying with that is that if I'm not wholly me, solely me, in full me, I cannot help you become yourself, mm -hmm. right? So in order for me to become the best version of myself, I had to go through all of those things. So yeah. I created the self-specialist in an effort to be the best version of myself and teach people how to get there as well. Um, giving you these tools will essentially make the world a better place. Um, like this is a beauty pageant, right? <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I don't want anyone to forget who I was at some point because that's still me. I love to dance. I love music. Sometimes I curse. Um, and that's not professional. I'm not saying that I'm going to curse in a session, but I don't want a patient to see me and then say, oh my God, I don't want to see her. She curses. I'm human. Yeah. So if I'm working for another practice, if I'm working for someone else, I have to abide by their rules. In my, in my world, in the self-specialist world, all are welcome. Whether you show up to session and you're cursing and that's the way you express yourself, I'm going to let you do that. And then I'm going to teach you how to curb that so that you don't lose your job. Yeah. Cursing feels amazing. <laughs> it's a way to let out passion, anger, whatever you want to call it. But it's also not a great way to deal with all situations. Yeah. So what I'm saying with that is that you know, I created the self-specialist to deal with um, self-control, self-awareness, and self-care through the motion of self-love. So yeah. put, your, put yourself first always, take care of yourself always, and this is how you're going to do it. I love that. Thank you. Um, are you working on anything right now? Um, so when you say working on anything, what do you mean? Because I'm always working. <laughs> whether is it is it like um with the self-specialist is it like writing is it anything so um I launched a website for the self-specialist.com mm -hmm. uh, about two weeks ago when I did a uh, a zoom um speaking engagement on mental health uh within the minority community and my little gift to the people who joined was me launching the website. So the reason I say I'm always working is because the self-specialist just, just literally launched as a full business two weeks ago. Um, but I've been working on it for a year now. Um, so through the self-specialist, I offer mental health uh, consultation guidance. So I sit with you, I go through what your needs may be, I go through what kind of therapist may be most beneficial. And then I let you tell me what you want. And I help you find that person. I do all the work for you. Um, I also have a self-publishing um, consultation. So we sit down. I let you know what areas uh, may work best for you, how um, you're able to self-publish yourself, you know, all the steps that could, that, that could be. And then my last and my uh, favorite one is motivational speaking. So it's people booking me for the speaking engagements because my speaking engagements, I think the beauty of them is that I'm not sitting there talking at people. I talk with people. 
Yeah, so you're not going to sit here and go through a whole PowerPoint and be bored. I'm going to have a conversation with you about what's on the board. And I'm going to afterwards open up the space for you to ask me anything you may want to ask me. So I start everything with make sure you have a pen and paper because you're going to have some questions after. Yeah. Um, and teenagers being my my favorite people to talk to um are like right there on top of the list uh right before COVID I was actually booked for something I was never able to make and that hurt me internally um but also speaking to men and women you know emotional regulation how to be the best version of yourself how to get into a, a healthy relationship how to stay in a healthy relationship um so I am working on those things, meaning that those services are currently offered. What I'm not doing is providing one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions because during this time, there's a lot of me I need to take care of and protect because you know I'm human and I'm a mother. Um, so I need to be all of it at the same time, but I'm still giving back a little bit with those three services. That's so good. I like yeah. that. <laughs> So now closing questions. Um, what is community to you? What is community to me? Um, I told you earlier, if we glow together, we grow together. Um, and community to me is actually what you're doing right now. You're not sitting with someone who has 10,000, 20,000 followers. You're sitting with people like um, John Paul Infante or Mercedeli Graciano, who are causing such an impact within our communities, um, but we're not doing it in a way where 60,000 people are following us. However, we're doing it. My, my first thing to say is, if I make one person smile today, I've done my job. You're probably gonna make one person smile or you're probably gonna make at least one person have an impact. I have a story. I had a therapist like in my earlier interview. When some people, after hearing that interview, that episode, people seek therapy after that. Like wow. I, yeah. I had another. I had another interview with an author, um, Jaffa Santos, that we were talking about mental health. Right after she applied for grad school to be a mental health. Look at that! Look at that! And there's a lot of other people like. Angie Abreu, Claudio Cabrera, Danielle, yeah. and Cindy, like, you know, there's, I've, I receive a lot of messages. I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, but I'm just glad that no one has said no. Like, everybody that I asked has said, like, yes. And I'm telling you, you're doing a great thing. You're having amazing conversations. Things like these conversations that you're having are the things that need to be normalized. Yes. Yes. Um, what is gratitude? What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for absolutely everything. Someone asked me the other day, um, what do you miss most about 10 years ago? And I, I said nothing. 10 years ago was great. It was amazing for me. But I am so happy with where I am right now. Gratitude is waking up every day and understanding that the breath or just opening your eyes is a beautiful process. And I don't need to do anything throughout an entire day because doing nothing is something. Yes. So gratitude is just being present. Yes. And also I want to say that sometimes we could miss what we did in the past, 
Like, we could miss part of it, but it doesn't mean that we want it back. Like, right. I miss certain parts of my life, but I'm just like, I'm good where I'm at, too. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was fun times. So, Absolutely. that um that miss some parts, but they want it back. Like, don't get it confused that you want it back. Yeah. That you just, like, it's, it was cool, but now you're in a new yeah. new life in your, in your time. Um, what, what would you say to your 20 year old self? 20 year old self, I was in a great place. Uh, I would tell my 20 year old self, be patient. At 20, I had just gotten married and that same year I became pregnant. Mm. Um, so looking back now, like nothing was wrong. A lot, you know, relationship issues with my ex-husband, um, because, you know, to, and going back a lot to one of your questions about what men have told me, I remember being pregnant. I was 20, not only young, but hormonal. I was like, you don't tell me I'm beautiful enough. And his reply to me was you demand so much attention. And that hurt me to my core yeah and that to me was probably the beginning of the end um but I would tell my 24 my 20 year old self is be patient and I'm saying be patient because you're a super acelerar yeah um not like in a toxic way right um or in a way that was detrimental to me but I should have taken a few deep breaths before doing certain things Mm. the world needs more consistency and what is the message you have for your community in one sentence girl you know I can't do that (laughs) (laughs) um Mm -hmm. in one sentence I would tell my community that the only way we will grow in a healthy way is if we stick together in a positive way while understanding the negative ways. Yes. Agree. Where could people find you? Girl, you can find me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So I'm, I'm heavier on Instagram. So it's, uh, I have two accounts. So the self specialist. So at the self specialist. Yeah. Or it's Mercy's World. I T S Mercy's World. Um, you could also email me at the self specialist at gmail.com. And you can go on my website for any of my services www.theselfspecialist.com. Yay! Thank you so much for today. I like this was a great conversation. Did we go over an hour? Yeah, we did. <laughs> and now we're like in a few minutes, maybe like an hour and like 30 minutes. Okay. Ooh, okay, that's cool. This was great. This was great. Yeah, this was a great conversation. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Remember, I'm picking you up from Miss Green's uh party. It's yes. like 26 or something like that, but I'll let you know. Oh yes! Oh my God! I haven't seen him like since I graduated in two thousand one. Wow! See, this is how we keep the community together. We're gonna make magic happen. 
damn it's been 20 years since i graduated 218 look at that 20 year question yeah because oh 99 God. was 20 years for me and i believe i'm two years older than you right? yeah yeah oh my yeah. god oh yes this, that's gonna be excited well thank you so much for saying yes to this absolutely and i'll we will catch each other on ig and of course that dinner <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me take care bye bye